Welcome to the Uncovered Dish uh, Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we're your hosts, Gabby Corbett. And James Lee. And today, we are continuing our conversation on all things ChatGPT and AI, particularly how these tools and ideas may be integrated into the workflow of those in ministry. We have an amazing guest today, the one and only Kenny Jang. For those of you who don't know Kenny, he is a StoryBrand certified communications expert. He is the creator of the Art of Engagement framework. Uh, he helms churchtechtoday.com and aiforchurchleaders.com, the hottest website on the internet right now. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, all in all, Kenny helps nonprofit leaders build marketing engines that creates raving fans for their mission. Kenny, welcome to the podcast. Oh, so glad to be here. I think we're going to have fun today. Yeah. Did I miss anything in your intro? I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's uh, not mentionable. And so thank you for uh, just <laughs> saying the nice things about me. I, I try to keep it nice and tight. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So let's jump right in. It looks like while most of us church leaders are still new to or still trying out this whole AI thing, yes. you have been using AI in your work for a long time now. Can you tell us the story of how you got started with AI and eventually integrated it into your everyday workflow? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think every, first of all, everyone uses AI in their life. We just don't see it anymore, right? So mm -hmm. the easiest one is Netflix. You turn on Netflix, the shows that are recommended to you are using AI. Amazon is a great case study that everyone used to point to in that, right, in their email marketing, they will see your purchases and they recommend through emails and things like that of what you should be buying next. Um, so there's all these things that are baked into everything that we see around our life, right? Google, when you go to Google and you start to type in something, autocomplete happens, right? And that's AI. Um, but there was, there's been some more explicit tools um, that are, that have popped up over the last couple of years. So like the one to me that like had a light bulb moment in my eye, mind is Grammarly. Um, if you don't know what Grammarly is, it's a, um, it's a software and a plugin service that basically it's kind of like a um, Uber spell checker, but with grammar. And it tells you when it, well, it tells me all the time that Kenny, you're too wordy. <laughs> you have incoherent thoughts, right? Basically right, right. it could be much clearer. And here's some suggestions on how to restructure all of that stuff. Right. So um, to me, that, that was the first investment into looking into what kind of explicit tools can I bring into my work to actually help enhance and really in increase the impact of what I do? And so that, you know, that was like two years ago. And then along the way, there have been all of these tools that started to pop up, right? And so um, in the marketing lane, um, things that generate copy automatically, right? There's this ma magical promises that, hey, you just put in a couple words and then we'll spit out everything that you need that would have taken you a week. We'll do it in 60 seconds. Now, some of that stuff over promises, obviously, but they are, they are, have been using AI technology that we see in chat GPT, et cetera, um, but in different form factors. Right. And so, um, you know, that, that's been the journey after that. Um, Jarvis came out, which is now called Jasper. That was a whole thing, lawsuit and the trademark. That That's a startup case study to talk about elsewhere. But they picked the name. <laughs> that Interesting. Claimed. That's why they changed their name. I didn't yeah, know that. I, Yeah, and I believe it was Disney, actually, uh, that <sighs> claimed it. Um, and so they changed the name to Jasper. So you might hear Jarvis. 
Today it's called Jasper. It's the same thing. And Jasper is probably the leading, um, according to G2, um, they're the fastest growing tech service out there right now. And so um, it is a marketing, copywriting, generative AI tool that helps you write different things, has over 50 templates. It really, it's really helpful. So I've been using that for copywriting over the last a little over a year. And as other things have come up and popped up, I've tried them here and there, here and there. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So what are, what, what other AI tools are you using on a regular basis in your workflow? So Jasper sounds like something you use. How often do you use it? Where is it used? Yeah. So Jasper, I'm using every day, almost everywhere. Um, It's, they actually have a tool called Jasper everywhere that allows you to have a, a plugin to your browser and then something on your desktop. So literally anywhere, any, anything that you're writing with a cursor, you can start to ask Jasper for help to, to generate some copy for you. Um, there, there's a bunch of other tools that, you know, ChatGPT is the other big one that everyone has gotten, um, you know, their focus on generative AI because of that, that came out in late November, December. And then um, you, pro- you know, most of the listeners here probably have heard of ChatGPT at this point, at least somewhere casually. And then, you know, it, it seems like the, the traction that it's getting has been incredible. So um, the amount, the the first five days they got a million users on board, which is crazy compared to other internet services in terms of how fast they are growing. Uh, they've passed a hundred million users, I believe, at this point, and they're continuing to grow. So, um, you know, there's there's a bunch of other tools that are amazing. I'm now looking at image generation as well as video generation software. Um, those are the time, that, that stuff is mind blowing that you're going to see within the next, I think five to 10 years is what I heard at the conference that I went to recently within the next five to 10 years, you will see a, a major motion picture blockbuster film that completely was generated with AI. That's mind blowing that there, you don't need actors. Um, and that within the next five to 10 years, at least one successful commercial film will actually have used AI for everything, which, I mean, when we step back from it, it's not that hard to believe, right? Like Jurassic Park and Mm -hmm. um, Avatar and all these movies use special effects right now already, but just imagine removing all of it. And then even the the script is written by AI too, right? It's a totally different world that we're going to walk into. So Kenny, that's a great point. And I think it's for some folks, they're, blown away and excited yes. and for some i think a lot of us there's also a lot of fear that is brewing up as they they hear that and i think this leads right into the next question i have for you which is based on a facebook post from you recently which i yeah. found very intriguing uh, it was titled three misconceptions about generative ai yep. and why we should rethink them so uh, i just want to go ahead and can i read aloud the three that you listed absolutely and then let's you give get into us it. your quick explanation let's do it so yeah. the number one out of the three you said uh, misconception number one was generative ai is a threat to creativity and human ingenuity yeah. what do you have to say about that yeah I, you know i think everyone thinks that oh things are just going to be uh, done by a robot. And when you think of a robot, you know, even the, the, the gestures that we make when we're mimicking a robot is not full of humanity and it doesn't feel creative. And so the, the, the thought that everyone thinks that your jobs are going to be taken over by AI and then 
the either unintended or intended consequence is that there's no human factor in there. There's no creativity that's all being removed. Um, I think is something that is, is clearly mistaken. Um, and there it's connected to this, I think this new term that you may be hearing over this next uh, season, which is FOLO, F-O-L-O, which is what? The fear of looming obsolescence. <laughs> I think you're going to hear a follow. You're going to feel follow. You're going to see follow a lot over this next year or two in particular. Fear of looming obsolescence. I mean, that was exactly it. When you said that, I'm a I'm a videographer by trade, a filmmaker by trade. And when you said full feature length films, yes, completely by AI, I think about all the jobs that go into making a film and all the yes. unions that go involved in creating a blockbuster Hollywood movie. Um, so you don't see it as a threat to creativity? No, I, I don't think it is at all. Um, there was a quote that I, I don't know who to attribute it to, but someone was saying this in a, in a conversation recently that um, AI is actually not going to necessarily uh, cheapen the cost of doing your work, right? It's, it's not going to actually like... At the end of the day, everyone thinks that AI is just going to instantly do your work for you, push button, done. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not going to actually make your stuff um, necessarily cheaper because it's a tool that you're going to be using over and over again. You need a human interaction, a prompt engineer, et cetera. But what it is going to do is bring the cost of spam and crappy content down to zero. Right. Mm, mm, yeah. And so you're right. going to have a bunch of junk that explodes and we're going to need to see how that happens, whether through regulation or curation. For example, you're seeing the birth of tons of digital ebooks on Amazon that's completely AI generated in mass, kind of like we had spam bots. Now you have AI bots. And right. so that's the same thing there. Yeah. All right. Let's go right into number two. Misconception number two was generative AI is unpredictable and uncontrollable. Yeah. Um, now, you you might have seen um, some of the headlines that came out recently talking about how um, Kevin Roos is one of them. He's a New York Times bestseller author. Um, he's been studying AI a bunch. And he talked about how he had a chat conversation with ChatGPT um in bing actually i think it was within bing which is integrating um gpt and it basically displayed harmful um language saying this these are the ways i'm going to harm you kill you or take over the world that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um i think a lot of that stuff is sensational journalism because actually if you look at the actual prompts and the conversations that were exposed it, it wasn't like off the you know off the the main interface that it started to go that way he he teased and prompted the machine to go that way and say imagine and there's no because there's safeguards built into all these things and so um the ai kept on saying i don't want to do this this is against my rules this you know con constantly and so it's almost like a loophole of like jailbreaking the machine uh, mm -hmm. maliciously um and and we think just like because we don't have that much experience with AI as a mass public, that this nature of unpredictability or uncontrollability is something that we, you know, inherently have to have a, a, immediate danger for. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but again, I think we will quickly see that all outputs still need to be subject to like human control. The human needs to be in the loop and in control. Um, and in most cases, I think really honestly, um, the outputs are actually the opposite. It's much more predictable, much more controllable. Um, it's like yeah. the other piece that we were talking about. It's a little bit more robotic than it is this thing that's just can go haywire without you knowing what's going on. Right. And generative AI systems are capable of creating what they've already been trained on. So there's, it really right. depends on how well we're training the systems and what kind of models we're putting forth. So uh, yeah, I totally agree yeah. with you. Well, the gener so generative AI, so there's all this nerdy nuance stuff, but the way chat GPT works, the way Jarvis works, the Jasper, all these tools work in generative AI is that they are actually generating a sentence one word at a time. So when that uh, AI was talking to the reporter about harmful tactics, it's not thinking conceptually, strategically, how do I kill somebody? How do I harm somebody? How do I take over and hack the systems? All it's doing is, is like what you said, it's taking the data set, scanning the internet and the data that it's been informed, and then predictably choosing what is the next most probable word that we should be using in a sentence after we build the sentence. So it's not, there's, there's no thought, there's no heart, there's no brain, there's no thought in terms of intent with generative AI tools right now. Awesome. Now, misconception number three, you wrote generative AI is only used for artistic and creative pursuits. Yeah. That, I mean, I, in a way, I think creation creators is creative, right? Um, but strictly speaking, in terms of like vertical industries, I think you're going to see AI have major advances in um, some of the other hard sciences and things like finance, things like engineering. Um, I think Gartner Group just published something saying that by the year, I think it's by the year 2050, they're predicting that 30% of all drug discoveries will be created by AI. Oh, wow. Think of the efficiency of that. Um, that I, this is my prediction is that like cancer is not going to be solved by a human. It's going to be solved by AI, right? So all the permutations of drug combinations and therapies and all the different um, scenario testing, et cetera, you can start to build out in AI using data sets, pattern recognition, finding flaws and structures, all that kind of stuff. That's why um, looking at architectural designs, for example, and finding where the uh, inconsistencies are in the drawings for the planning so that structural um, integrity might be harnessed further, you know, things like that. Uh, that's where I think AI could be a shining light in so many other industries. So it's not just like you, you've seen, um, there was a popular app that made its way around the internet a couple months ago where it takes your photo and creates you into a superhero and all these other different versions, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's artistic, that's creative stuff, but that's not the only use of this AI stuff. There's a lot of practical, practical, amazing things that I think will come out of it, including including scholarly biblical research, right? Right, so that's sort of my next question too is, you know, we've talked about um, chat GPT and we're talking about Jasper as well. Uh, what do you, 
how do you see ministry leaders using that? What do you think is the right one for folks who are starting to kind of dip their toes into this AI stuff um, and navigate what might be best for them in their own ministry contexts? Um, there's going to be a, a, a several categories. So the first one is just literally productivity, right? You're going to have productivity gains in doing repetitive things over and over that you can hand over to AI, right? So if you have a uh, uh, something that you can codify into a standard operating procedure that you do week in, week out, like reporting, right? You might uh, in a church have attendance data or might have attendance at small groups um, or there might be other uh, finances, right? Finance, financial data. You might be able to use AI to produce re reports or synthesize insights in a much quicker way or find insights that you don't potentially see yourself easily um, that AI can help you with and, and save time, right? Yeah. Second one is content, right? So everything from what everyone focuses on is, hey, can you take the 15, 20, 30 hours you write a sermon every week and bring that time down? <laughs> um, and again, I don't think you're going to see a, it. You can't think of generative AI as a push button candy machine. That's what I'm saying these days is that it's not a push button candy machine where you push the button and a piece of candy comes out and you can enjoy it just like that. It's a partner. It's just, it's almost like an intern if you think about that, right? So if I had a, a seminary intern helping me write um, a sermon, um, I have to kind of give it instruction. Hey, we're going to talk about this topic and we're going to focus on or maybe even research on which, which biblical texts um, are relevant to this topic? Can you help me explore that and then come back? Can you make some connections with the, what is the historical context? All that kind of stuff that you would give to an intern, you could start to use these generative AI tools to help you enhance your study, go deeper, go further. I just know one thing that every pastor wishes they had was another 20 hours on any given message, right? Like they want, if I had another 10 hours, I can polish this message and make it much more insightful, make it much more compelling, make it much more, um, you know, uh, visible of where Jesus is in this story, right? And so that's what I think AI can do in terms of content generation, but it's not just the sermon. So there's things like, um, I just helped a pastor. Um, he needed to send an email to his volunteers. He knows that he needs to appreciate them. And so he wants to send them uh, volunteers, but you know, after a while you get tongue tied or you have writer's block. And so using AI to help you write personalized emails to each volunteer. Imagine if you just had a routine that every week you're gonna write a, a personal email to five different volunteers every single week, 50 weeks a year, right? That's 20, 250 emails a year that you're gonna have touch points with. And so what we did, we we typed in what type of, he was the, the volunteer was in the parking team. And what's like one, two things that you, you caught that was good that you want to reinforce, right? So the person always is trying to uh, train and uh, mentor other volunteers without being asked, um, always comes in first and tries to set everything up. And on the weekends that he's not there, he actually tags someone else to come in first so that it, it, it's not part of the job description, but he's trying to, right? So all those things, we put that mm -hmm. into the thing, the AI. And then even next steps of like, what are some other opportunities that, you know, we could uh, express other gifts for the person? So that's the type of stuff that we literally um, were able to take and give 
uh, Jasper and write an email that had all of that done in a way that was encouraging, positive, and appreciative. Um, and then he, he was able to customize a little bit further and send it off, right? Yeah. That to me, I think is something that any, it's not just any pastor, any church leader, mm-hmm. like I would argue every single person here listening to this conversation, you have the opportunity to write at least one note of appreciation to somebody in your orbit this week, somebody. And yeah. if you do it as a habit every single week, you know, sometimes it gets tedious. Sometimes you, you, you're not in the mood, right? But AI can help you get those creative juices flowing, give you some brainstorming ideas and really get help that get, give you consistency in your intent. So there's all those types of things that I think um, AI can help with. And, awesome. and again, there's all the other things, right? Like um, in, the, in our AI for church leaders group, I just shared uh, something and another pastor shared uh, examples of um, this pastor was late to Lent, right? It was the day before <laughs> Lent started. Oh my gosh, I've never felt that before behind the April as a church leader, right? We all feel that way. It was the day before and he's like, hey, I would love to do Instagram stories for every single day of Lent, but and I have a prayer prompt, but I just don't have, I don't have the energy right now. And it's the day before. And so I went to Jasper and we built, um, actually it was ChatGPT and we built 40 prayer prompts and that's the basis for something, right? Bible mm-hmm. study questions, um, a devotional. There was even a, a pastor that has a liturgical, this was the complaint that I that was posted. All this stuff is great, but it's all for non-denominational or big box denominational churches. We have a specific type of liturgical church service, and we need a specific type of order of service. How do I use AI for that? Absolutely easy. And we literally just went down each piece and helped him with every single piece of the liturgy. Wow. It wasn't just the sermon. That's my point, right? Announcements, uh, offerings, uh, every part you could do it. The invocation, the prayer, everything. Um, You could help enhance your work with AI. Yeah. Going back to, I love your metaphor of considering this tool as a seminary intern. Yeah. I think that is quite accurate in the way that I found my use of ChatGPT and AI tools. There are a lot of things I have to tell it like, Hey, that was not correct. Or you should lean more this way. And it responds. I think that yeah. has been the the greatest experience that it for ChatGPT, especially it's a chat going back and forth and it's a growing learning yes. conversation. Yes. So uh, treating it like an intern has been exactly <laughs> the way I've been using it. Imagine, I mean, it's a, it's an intern for all of our church leaders. How many of our pastors yeah. that are serving say smaller churches, uh, maybe they're the only full-time person on staff. Now you have an additional, uh, seminary intern with you. It's, it's actually extremely helpful. I spent two hours one night coming up and I came up with, uh, 15 different sermon series ideas that were theologically in line with my particular tradition after giving it the correct prompts that were somewhere more Bible-based. Others were more life-based and had great titles, great uh, exegesis. I was blown away. It was a very fun evening um, going through going through that. You know, one of the prompts you can say is, hey, ChatGPT, I want you to act as a United Methodist pastor. 
Literally. Yeah. Uh, that's the way that I've been doing it. Or I've been giving other... <laughs> <laughs> telling ChatGPT to act as an expert, XYZ, has been yeah. the greatest prompt uh to start any chat. For sure. And again, for the UMC, it's perfect. You know why? Because there's so much published content already that's UMC related, yeah. right? And just because there's so many, right? There's 30,000 UMC churches in North America alone. There's so many of them that are publishing, pastors that are blogging. So there, And then there's published resources, right? Um, upper Room. There's all these other things out there. Um, you're taking advantage of that body of work to have it write stuff that's aligned with all those authors that have published stuff in the past. I think one of the things that people mistake is, again, is that they think this is just like you put in a request and you get something to go, right? It's like a drive-through window, fast mm -hmm. food, and it's not. It's called chat GPT. It's conversational. It's a chat bot. It is a conversation that you're going back and forth and back and forth. And so that's what that's the biggest thing that I would say in terms of uh, suggestions is try these tools out, but push yourself to ask more questions or give more directions. Can you go back and forth five times with any inquiry that you start with, with the AI, because you never know what's going to come out, right? And then changing the prompt just by one word or two words will change the output as well. And you'll be amazed at what uh, comes back. Yeah. I, I found the conversational element of ChatGPT to be extremely helpful yeah. for me to sort of train the model. So I have one chat line that's titled email writer, and <laughs> I spent a lot of time coaching it on how to write it better or write an email that sounds more like me. Yes. And it writes... 50% of my emails right now. Yeah. It is almost, Kenny, I mean, to kind of push back a little bit, at this point, it's, some of it is almost like push of a button and getting some candy because I'm like, <laughs> that, you wrote that email. Yeah. But, but you've invested that sounds just the like time me. up yeah. front, right? So it didn't sure. happen immediately. Sure. You invested the time up front and you're saying, Absolutely. hey, I would never use a word like that. That's too complex, you know, uh, or, you know, you're literally training the machine and say, hey, can you rewrite that? and make it rhyme because i'm a very quirky person you know like you literally yeah. can train the machine to actually have the tone and voice now jasper itself just announced also because this is an issue that they're having this brand voice thing so you literally can start to describe even like the bios of your leadership team what you're offering names are so like if you're um if you have life groups versus small groups versus connect groups you can actually put that in there so it knows that whenever it refers to that connect group or life group or whatever it uses that language and it understands oh our our life groups are probably four to six people another church might be 10 to 12 families right so you mm -hmm. it starts to understand everything in your brand voice and yeah. then it applies that so it, it starts to have these um pockets of memory that is being built into it and then on the conversational stuff, um, Bing, which is integrating uh, GPT into it, uh, just announced that on their mobile device, at least, um, that you're going to be able to talk to it. So it's going to have voice recognition, and then you're going to get the chat back. And so I think that's going to be a game changer of how people think. I personally think Siri, Alexa, all these other are going to literally improve dramatically over this next year or two as they start to include 
better AI technologies into it? Uh, so I am a little less technically on board as you two are. Um, and so like I use Grammarly right now. That's about as fancy as my AIs get. So what, what final advice would you give to someone like me who's really just starting to dip their toes into figuring out how to use this? Yeah, I, I think it's just the what's in it for me type of attitude, right? You need to have a um, open mindset, not a defensive posture, right? Um, it's not something that you can ban because mm -hmm. culture is going to adopt or has adopted, is going to adopt this widespread. You're going to see it in so many different places. And so unless you want to be um, in my generation, the, the old fogies or the people that were outmoded <laughs> were the ones where the VCR just blinks 12 o'clock over and over. You guys are too young to understand this, but <laughs> that was a sign. You walk into a house and the VCR clock is not set because the old fogies didn't know how to actually set it, right? They were outmoded. Yeah. And so you don't want to become a blinking 12 o'clock VCR owner, right? And so the way, the best way to do that, and so much easier today, is just sit down and have a conversation, right? So if that person was new in your congregation, you would make some intentional time to take them out to coffee. And yeah. so that's the best one. Can you spend 15 minutes a week for the next month just interacting with ChatGPT just to see what it's all about? I think that's the first step. You know, you don't need to start to try to write a sermon or a Bible study or an email. Just have a conversation, right? Like it's literally like if someone just entered into your orbit into church, mm -hmm. just find some interest and see what it, what they're interested in, what's what they're good at. And um, I think you'll learn a lot along the way. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm reminded of a YouTube video that I watched recently from the YouTuber Tom Scott. Uh, he's a big uh, technology uh, person, and he talks about using AI and being terrified. He feels like this is another moment where everything is about to change. Yeah. Uh, things changed completely with the internet. Yes. Things changed completely with the iPhone and smartphones. Yes. And now he says this, everything is about to change. And he's yes. like, he's wondering if he's that old fogey because he's worried <laughs> that everything he mastered uh, in terms of coding and technology, yes. it's going to completely change. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's so freeing. I think it's so empowering for somebody. You're going to see the, the best analogy that I've come up recently is it's literally like the calculator. Yeah. So right. when the calc, when scientific calculators and calculators were introduced in school, there were schools that banned it. They're like, no, no, you're going to need to know a good old arithmetic. And so now what they're doing is they're using calculators to enhance their learning, right? And so this is literally what the thing that you are able to do with AI is that you're going to be able to do more, dream more with yeah. this type of tool. So instead of looking at it as a threat, you got to look at it as something that enhances um, your work and your leisure, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think about the, I love the calculator metaphor. I yeah. imagine someone going to the store to buy something and something's on sale for 20%. And in the past, someone would have to do that math in their head and then consider, do I buy this? But now it, it doesn't mean having a calculator, we're not doing the math anymore. Yeah. We're able to just use more of our cranial energy yes. to nice. ask the bigger questions, the more important questions. So is it still worth it? Can I afford it? Is this mm -hmm. what I really need to buy? And I think that is what I'm experiencing with using ChatGPT and AI tools in my workflow. I'm able to use more of my mental energy asking the bigger questions. Mm -hmm. So I have 
my very creative intern who's writing a lot of things for me, <laughs> writing all those necessary emails that have to go out, mm-hmm. but I'm able to ask the bigger questions and use my head that way. That, that's been my experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will just put one footnote before we move on is you got to remember that this is a learning machine and there's disclosures up front when you open up ChatGPT, et cetera. As a church leader in particular, the thing that I've invi- I've been advising teams is make sure that you're, you yourself and your teams know that you shouldn't be putting sensitive data into it. Right. Because no, really good. it starts to get owned by the machine. And yeah. so anything that's personal and sensitive that you do not want to be used elsewhere, not that it, it's, it's not proactively spitting it out again, but it is being put into the machine, right? It's, it's a self-learning process. And so anything that you put into these AI learning, uh, these language models is being incorporated into the back end. And so that, especially in ministry where we deal with people and sensitive yeah. information, that's just one flag I would say for ministry context. That's awesome. really helpful. Yeah. So, so like one of the things I'd love for more UMC churches to learn about is uh, a passion project that is coming up it, on May 18th and 19th is an online conference, an online summit called Thrive and Cultivate. You can go to thriveandcultivate.com. And it started uh, two, three years ago. So this is the third year. And it started, you know, that pandemic word, you know, mental health popped up in everyone's dictionary, but we didn't have enough resources specific to the church. And both for the pastor and the church leader themselves, as well as helping them how to like, how do you talk about it? How do you find signs of what to do? What are the resources, you know, frameworks um, for the people you minister? So those two, one is self-care and then those that you care for. And so we've had over 7,000 people in the last two years, and this is the third year. And so- Kenny, the reason why I'm, my mind is just blowing as I'm looking at this thriveandcultivate.com is the next podcast interview that I really wanted to have was regarding clergy burnout, pastors, oh, church leaders, because yes. mental health is such oh. an issue right now. You, you have it right yeah. here in the copy on the website, more than 44% of pastors report that their jobs are numbing and draining. This is Dude. so true Dude. right now, right? How, how can a job that we are here, it's the best job in the world to become a herald for the gospel. And somehow it has become numbing and draining. People have chosen. It's not like this is your jail time, go serve as clergy or a church leader. People choose because they believe in the message of Jesus Christ, right? And yet somehow the job has become dreary to them. How do we turn that around and give them hope? in their own space so that they can become a light for other people. And so anyway, this is a, this has become a passion project and we're trying to figure out how to get more people involved and it's completely free. The model is completely free. Now there are churches that will choose to actually pay for the replay pass and has more other resources and there's a workbook and there's discussion guides for teams and all that kind of stuff. People are actually using it on a weekly basis. So you have a staff meeting taking one of the talks and all the talks again, this is like, this is my rules. I make them up. I hate going to conferences and they're like 45 minute talks and you're boring. You can't get out all that. So we said to every speaker, make the talk, just the talk. You know, like how there's so many best-selling books today that really should have been a booklet, not a book, (laughs) right? Yeah. The first 20 pages are the best. Yeah. So each talk is seven to 12 minutes. So they're not long. Get to the point, get in and out. Don't tell me your whole, you know, family story and all get to the point, get in and out. And then um, what 
some leaders are doing is their team meetings. They're picking one a week. They're just watching it together as a group. There's discussion questions. And then there's using it as fodder, right? And so there's so many ways uh, churches are using it. We didn't even know that's how churches started to use it. That was that was wow. feedback that's afterwards. Excellent. But anyway, yeah, that, completely that's really free. Good. I think that's, no credit that's... card required. Every, it's just like, please, can you share this as much as possible? Yeah. yeah. So we'll definitely plug it in. We'll include it in the in the episode. This is going to be great. I think one of the most the beautiful thing is exactly what you mentioned that as a church leader, I would want to have a resource that I could share with my volunteers, my team mm-hmm. leaders. Um, and this is right on. We've had people like Kay Warren, Rick Warren's wife, right? Yeah. On mm-hmm. we've had Carrie Newhoff and Carlos Whitaker. We've had these big name speakers, but really this solid gold stuff are the practitioners that are in the trenches, working with churches, working in Christian circles, and dealing with those things that are actually here to teach. So it's one of those anti-conferences where, yeah, yeah, you might have some larger names at the on the stage, but the real gold is get in there and listen to the ones that are actually, that have the passion, the drive, that actually have experience working in church communities. Mm-hmm. I think you'll learn so much. You'll be inspired. I don't know. I just hope we'll, as you can tell, I'm excited about this stuff, right? So <laughs> no, I love this. Please, please help me get this word out yeah. so that we can have more churches. And there's so many pastors. I talked to a pastor three weeks ago, three weeks. I know exactly where he said, we don't have any mental health issues. I know there's so many other churches out there that have problems, but we have a healthy church. We have no mental health issues. <laughs> Something's going on. Something is very, very We need wrong. to normalize it, right? <laughs> it's like it's this, It's not a right? stigma. Yeah. He's treating sure. it as a stigma. As yeah. if, like, if I have mental health issues that we have to talk about at a church, that there's something wrong with my leadership. Mm. And we have to normalize mental health, at least Amen. the basic awareness and yeah. education of it, right? And so I'm not saying you have problems. I'm saying you have opportunities. And yep. so this is what we're trying to do. Amen. Awesome. So thriveandcultivate.com. That's May 18th and 19th, completely free for all church leaders. Yes. This is definitely the online summit that you want to attend in the middle of May. Kenny, are there any burning questions that we should have asked you and we didn't ask you? You have a great answer for? I I think, you know, the question that you're you guys are asking is fantastic. I think the the learning posture that you have and trying to introduce the church leaders to this, I think is the right thing that we, the church have to see culture, not as a threat to condemn anything that's in it, but actually to help create and actually build those conversations with our neighbors. And so um, I, I really appreciate everything that you're doing. And again, there are other church leaders, like just like this conversation, there are many other church leaders. I would encourage you to seek out other places where church leaders are talking about this, as well as other technology, digital ministry, et cetera, that's the number one tool to actually grow today. It's not because the textbooks that are in seminary don't have this stuff in, 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 in yet, right? right? And yeah. so t- finding other peers, right? Where they're hanging out in your own circles um, or on the internet, right? Um, trying to find those conversations. It's not just secular and the marketplace that are doing these conversations and gatherings. There are, it's, you know, it's here in our church sphere as well. There's a lot to learn, a lot to be contextualized, a lot to be inspired by together. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. So, uh, Kenny, thank you again for coming on the podcast. We have one last question that we ask all of our guests. <laughs> yeah. 
Gabby, you want to ask it or you want me to do it? I can do it. So Kenny, if you only, we're the Uncovered Dish podcast, right? We're, we're Methodists. We like to eat food. Um, It's a staple of who we are. So if you had to pick one dish to eat for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) I wish I could just say the category, categorically Korean barbecue. But uh, maybe we'll stick with that. I think that's to me is like, oh, <laughs> any city that we go and we try to explore what, what Korean barbecue they, they have. But um, that's a treat. So wh- and I think I could eat that every day, every day of my life. So which city has the best Korean barbecue? Ah, so we are in New Jersey or on the West Coast, right? There's this this fight. L.A. thinks that they have the best in New York City. You know, I I would say. I grew up on this coast, so it's got to be, you know, the New York metro region has the best, uh, the best Korean food. Yeah, I, I concur. One hundred. A little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more nuanced. It a just has bit... has that flavor. Has that. <laughs> I suspect there's going to be a lot of Californians uh, writing in after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so Korean barbecue is totally the way that I judge cities when I visit them. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Kenny, thank you again for coming on the podcast. We're so glad that you came on and we got to have this conversation. Uh, For those who want to check you out, find out more about you, where can they reach you? Um, um, I was was telling someone else, I'm not that hard to find if you Google me, um, (laughs) Kenny Jang. Um, Recently, we launched a Facebook group, a private community called AI for Church Leaders. You can go to that website, AIforChurchLeaders.com. The way to remember it, I was told by a good friend of mine, is do you remember that old TV show, ALF? Yeah. Right? Yes. Well, AI for t- church leaders is spelled, if you spell it, it's ALF or church leaders. You pick, <laughs> you decide.com. So it's either you AI just... for church leaders or ALF or churchleaders.com. You decide. It all works. You decide. Pick your adventure. As you can tell, we have some fun inside the group, right? We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're taking our work for ministry pretty seriously. So we're trying to do it all together too. Yeah, I just uh, submitted my request for memberships. Awesome. We'll talk soon. (laughs) All right, well, thank you again, Kenny, for coming on the podcast. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Take care. Thanks, guys. All right.